0: hey guys it's Chris and uh, ready for some we are live action coming up real quick I just got to tell you about some people that make the show and all of our fun events possible come out we got thousand dollar karaoke challenge this 3rd 5th 10th and 12th of March very excited about that Jack Daniels Tennessee Apples helping us put that on it's gonna be held at 1860s saloon in the game room so come out you can win a thousand bucks it's free to enter can sign up online through the Facebook event come out hang out it'll be a blast other things happening March 28th Jack Daniel's Tennessee Whiskey making target practice workouts a very fun event if you've never been it's our signature comedy show I'll be hosting that uh we've got eight comics plus one comic opening up our friend Jovan Bibbs you're going to see some great matchups where people roast pop culture topics Oh man, St. Louis, um, bunch of different stuff. And in the finals, uh, the comics have to roast each other. So always a good time. You can get tickets through Metro Ticks. Just search out target practice. Looking forward to that March 28th. Weekly comedy at Sophie's. That's uh right here in Grand Center. 3224 locust on the second floor. Weekly comedy series. Free to get in. Come out, have some fun every thursday kicks off around six o'clock specials start at four schlafly and jack daniels specials all night long other things happening oh our friends at st louis counseling services mental health matters is their podcast but guess what they're a full service counseling agency as well check out stlouiscounseling.org online for more information Also, our friends at gatewaypowdercoat.com. Check out Gateway Powder Coating for the number one resource for powder coating in the Midwest. Also, a couple big shout-outs to all of you guys for checking out uh, last week's episode with Jamie Fritz. We're going to have a full schedule. Lots of great guests here in the uh, coming weeks, months, forever, right? Uh, So be sure to support all those who support us. And big thanks to Tech Electronics for the studio love and uh, plenty to get to but uh, enjoy the show Everybody, it's Chris Emmons We Are Live, special guest today calling in from sunny Los Angeles, Natasha Pearl Hanson. What's up, Natasha? Hi! How How I'm doing good! I just wanted to say... You know, like, no, uh, Sorry, jump in, please. Go no, 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 no.
1: What were you going to say? You just wanted to say what?
0: Well, I wanted to say that uh, I, I wanted to specifically talk jumpsuits with you, and uh, I don't <laughs> see any jumpsuits, so I'm a little upset.
1: Well, right now I have on... Um, this is fair. I have on my two-piece workout gear that is my gear i don't know if you can see my initials on it
0: uh over to the other side switch (laughs) over
1: (laughs) oh yeah
0: other side keep going okay now we're talking
1: (laughs) (laughs) but so it is it's my stuff so at least i'm wearing my brand um but yeah, my jumpsuit situation has been quite the hit.
0: <laughs> I, I think whatever it takes, and they look fucking cool, and uh, and if it's something that uh, gets three more people to every show, I don't care. That's amazing. That's,
1: uh, well, I have thank you. I have such a big collection of them, and I'm kind of known for wearing because you know I travel so much that like, and I'm kind of a tomboy in so many ways where I just don't like to overthink, like. We have so much going on as it is as creators and artists that I'm like, I just need one fucking thing to put on and it can't be a dress because dresses, you, you show people stuff that you don't want to show on accident. Sure. I just, so jumpsuits are kind of my, my jam. And then when I travel, I just, you know, you pack five of those, then that's five days you don't have to think about. And then the other days you just jeans and a t-shirt and you're you're set.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you do it for a full month. No, that's that's fantastic. Yep. Uh, how long have you been in Los Angeles? Where'd you You didn't grow up there, I'm sure.
1: No, no. I um I grew up in Wisconsin, and then I was in Chicago um, with Second City and starting my stand-up career for almost five years. and Then I moved to LA in August of 2011, so coming up on nine years.
0: Isn't that crazy? I bet it feels like yesterday, <gasps> too, right? Like. <laughs>
1: i don't even know how to look at time anymore i really i really don't i mean time is just bullshit
0: (laughs) i I, I know you i know you're instagram so i can't speak that Uh but you you seem to have maintained your midwestern soul i hope to god the vampires the vampires haven't gotten you in lost no I, Not I'm at sure, all. I, I'm sure you get, <laughs> you get together with Chicago folks or Midwest folks in in, uh, in LA enough, or at least you can kind of give each other the nod whenever you're out there. Like it's it's funny, isn't it? Like you stick out like in the things you take. With, like, we when stick out. The Midwest, yeah. I think it's. Funny. I
1: I was just saying that I had um recorded my episode 99 of my podcast today with Paul Elia. and he's a great comic out here, just a really good guy. He's from Detroit. My like my last six podcast guests, without even realizing it. Um, are comics that I just love, and they are all from the Midwest, which I don't end up finding out until I'm, like, sitting down with them and asking them questions about their life, which we don't do at shows. Um, So, yeah, I'm just, like, I naturally gravitate towards people that have that, like, <laughs> about them, <laughs> like rather than, you know. <laughs> yeah, or you you
0: could, it's so strange too, because you can tell, and not to say people from the Midwest don't do this occasionally, but man, Los Angeles, it's no joke. People are literally just sizing you up with every sentence you speak. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's,
1: it's super fascinating because I've, I've just never been that kind of person. Like I just, you know, I'm just very chill about everything. I don't really like to overdo everything. I don't know. When you grow up in the Midwest, I feel like you are such an appreciator of personalities.
0: Sure, so,
1: so when people, people put their looks or their, um, Stats. money foot forward for the status, yeah. Forward first, it just kind of jars me a little bit. I'm like, oh, you must not have much going on underneath there. <laughs> if that's <laughs> your, if that's your leading point, but yeah. How- so I think that's kind of what sticks out.
0: Future Role Models is your podcast. Um, yeah, Give us a little breakdown. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I know we've all got podcasts and all that stuff, and everybody's like, well, we talk. Right. That's it. But <laughs> it, seems like, it seems like you have a cool theme. Like, what's going on with the podcast?
1: So it derived from um, the thing that naturally came easy to me with Instagram stories and Snapchat when that all came out is just documenting things in real time. Something I've always done, way before any of this was a thing for social media. Um, I used to carry around, starting when I was fourteen, little you know those little memo pads you get at Walgreens, those like tiny ones.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: The ugly blue spot, spotted ones, and I used to carry those around with me and disposable cameras. So I would take pictures of everything. I would write down exactly what was going on. It was like the, the Snapchat before the Snapchat, but like very rudimentary. Kind of like um, I always used to joke that my my grandma used to like Xerox pictures that she would cut out and like Photoshop. Like it was grandma Photoshop. She would like cut out pictures of everybody hanging out in separate places and then Xerox them (laughs) and then put them into albums. Like so we weren't actually hanging out with each other. (laughs) She was like, look at this Christmas and like everyone's different sizes and stuff. Like, that was grandma's Photoshop. Right. I was doing that version of that for Snapchat before Snapchat. Whoa. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've always really liked to write things down. And I would mainly write, like, funny things I would think or different things that were happening in conversation or just kind of small world situations, travel stories. Um, and I had, like, probably eight of these volumes of these notebooks over time. And so... I wanted to eventually put a book out called Future Role Model, um, showcasing that you can do all these kind of fucked up things, but still be a really good kid. You can have a lot of fuck ups in your career, but still become a rock star. Like, it's okay. You, you'll be a role model eventually. And, um, and so I just wanted to create that brand and get that in people's heads,
0: you know, preemptively. Well, uh, I, think, I think people are into redemption too, right? I mean, that's yeah. a huge thing with just us as humans.
1: Well, in a whole, really everything about my brand and who I am, the things that I create, the things that I write, um, is about being okay and being honest about your failures and flaws and rising above that anyway. So um, you know, I've done that even with shooting my special on my wedding day and all that stuff. I just try to always turn turn something negative into something positive, you know?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about that. I, I may have done that and and I'm not. I just it didn't click in my head. So you shot your comedy special on your wedding day.
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I shot, shot, shot it. So it was
0: hundred times. Sorry. Yeah. This is not
1: a ton. I mean, it's 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 ever evolving because the situation after that has evolved so much. But um, yeah. I've been I had been with this guy um for. Yeah, nearly nine years. Um, we had a wedding day. Um, we w- we were engaged for two and a half years. We just broke up officially in January, but we had a very rocky two years of our engagement. Two and a half years. Wait,
0: like um,
1: January. Yeah, yeah, it's fresh. I'm still. We're still living in the same house, but he's out of town right now, so it's like oh, it is so hard. today. No, no, no. It's okay. Honestly, like I tell people, like you know, I have. A pretty gut-wrenching cry like once a day and and then but then I just go about my day like it doesn't I'm not the type of person that lets like shit really debilitate me I just if I feel it coming I just deal with it and I do it in my own quiet time and I don't do it in the middle of the grocery store or like get drunk and do it at a bar I just do it at my house then I go about my day, I would.
0: I think it'll. Help. <laughs> I think it'll help the views if for some Twitter and Instagram clips if you could just break down like mid conversation. Here is that <laughs> <laughs> probably not oh, that, that hard that's, to do. Actually, yeah, that's not, uh, All all kidding aside, I'm I'm sorry to hear that, but thank you for sharing. I
1: mean, it's- well, no, I mean, here's the thing: people go through a lot of really hard, really hard times in their life all the time. I think the reason why it's hard for most people to deal with it is a they don't have a creative outlet. You know, I'm lucky to, we are lucky to um, have outlets and platforms to be able to speak about things, but also we feel like we can't share those things. Like something bad that's happening in your life doesn't have to be shared in a negative way. It's different if I were to go around and be like, oh, my life sucks. I hate everybody, but I, I don't do that. Like, so it's okay to be honest and be like, I'm going through something and it's really hard, but I also am still finding these positive moments. My interactions with people aren't negative. I'm not shitting on strangers or, like, flipping people off in traffic just because I'm going through something. In fact, it makes me way more conscious of how I am towards other people. So, you know, we don't have to depict those things as negative just because it's a hard time, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I I absolutely. So... There needs to be that, too, because whether you realize it or not or whoever it is, it's going through stuff like people are listening and you have an audience and you perform and you're in front of people and if that's your calling to give people yourself in a a way like you got to share you don't have to by any means but it's I think it's uh there's an overused word but it's it's a brave it's a brave process to do that honestly yeah I mean
1: brave is an interesting word yeah because it's it's become so uh full spectrum at this point you know somebody can tweet something and they're like, oh, you're so brave, you know, you tweet a photo of your butt and you're a thicker person, all of a sudden you're brave and it's like, but then you're also brave if you're rescuing somebody from a burning building, like what's brave? But, um,
0: I don't, you know, I,
1: I just more look at it like, you know, honesty is really hard. There's a lot, no matter how honest we are as people, there's still shit we're not sharing because we're scared to let people really know what's going on. Um, but the more I've opened up about these tough things, which I try to do on stage with like a lot of positivity, it's not like you know I'm not like a uh, a dark even if it's something dark that I'm talking about. And I get I get so much so many reactions afterwards. People that come up and talk to me and are like, "Man, I went through this, or I'm going through this," and you know, I mean, why are we doing this if it's not for that? But um, with the wedding day, you know, when we decided we weren't going to get married. We we were in a contract with the wedding venue, obviously, and we couldn't change it. So I was like, "Hell no!" If I'm going to just dump 10 G's into a venue and not do something with it,
0: where? so I was like, "I'm either going to in LA." It
1: was in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh,
0: in Madison. Oh
1: no. Mm-hmm. Which is where I like where I grew up, where all my friends are. So I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I want to get this off my chest. Everyone still has this date kind of on their calendar. And, you know, and anyone who doesn't, I bet I could sell to, I can do this as a show. And so I, I partnered up with my director a friend of mine, who's been my like rock through like years and years and years of projects yeah. and he was game for it. He flew himself to Madison. Uh, we, <laughs> we hired a team, one of the best videog- wedding videography teams in Wisconsin or in the Midwest. And, um, We filmed one take. So the night before we shot, me and my grandma, my dad, and my mom decorated the venue with all of my wedding decorations. (laughs) I sold tickets um, to everyone, even my family members. I was like, sorry, I'm not getting married, but will you please buy a ticket to come see me do this? Um, My friends, my family members all bought tickets or VIP tickets. I sold the place out. Um, I made exactly to the dollar. The amount it costs to film, the entire thing, to the dollar on my tickets.
0: (laughs) That's insane.
1: (laughs) My wedding venue cost zero (laughs) dollars. It went from being a massive deficit to being, uh, you know, and then now I have my um, call on Tuesday about distribution. So we finally are getting that locked in. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, it was just something that I felt like I had to do for myself and just something to turn, you know,
0: my aunt. That's the ultimate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, the cool thing, too, that week is, well, not the cool thing, but the interesting thing. My aunt uh, that I was really close to, she was supposed to be the one that would have planned my whole wedding for me. She ended up passing from cancer like a week and a half before the wedding date. So, we had had her memorial like three days before I filmed this. And I kept thinking to myself, if I had been getting married today, fuck, that would have been so hard right. because she would have not been there. She would have helped like do everything. And it would have just been this strange. It would have, been
0: a it would struggle, have just
1: been right? internally. It would have been a struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, what? So, my aunts and like a lot of my family came out and. Just they all needed that like relief, something else to kind of focus on for the evening, and so there was just a couple really cool silver linings in the whole thing. And you know, that's just how you have to kind of look at stuff, you have to paint the whole picture and say, Where can I, <laughs> where are these little nuggets of joy? <laughs> so I ended up being a really cool thing.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations! And I mean, you talk about like two super stressful, I mean career life defining things a wedding and a comedy special like I don't do you I know. have you shot any specials before
1: no it was my first one.
0: First
1: one, um, first one and just you know the the you know and then I mean my fiance tried to make it work um, but we just couldn't we just couldn't manage it after that and so we called things off at the beginning of this year and then now I'm taking the sequel of this to Edinburgh. So I got accepted from my special right. yeah. to Edinburgh. So I'm doing um, the the sequel to this all. It'll be the sequel, but the prequel. It'll be the story that led to why things didn't work.
0: How long are you going to be in Edinburgh?
1: The entire month. An hour every single night for a month.
0: That is some exorcism. <laughs> Trust me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like'm I'm that is so like Edinburgh is like this amazing for the people listening or if you don't know, it's theater it's it's one man shows one woman shows it's it's mm-hmm. any type of performance you can think of, and it's in every venue possible, and it's just madness creatively madness and to do an hour of stand up specifically on that, I mean. Uh, it's gonna be pretty guttural
1: but um, I'm excited it for it you right I you know what I believe so um, I think it'll be helpful for a lot of people I also think it'll be helpful for me it'll also mean that by the time I'm done with Edinburgh I'll have like close to three hours of material that I'm happy about which is right. really hard to have as a comedian. Yeah. I'm ten, I'm hitting my 10-year mark. In the, at the beginning of Edinburgh, it'll be my 10 years of stand-up. So it'll wow. feel like a really nice milestone for me.
0: That is, too. And, and again, too, I know, I mean, I interview a ton of comics, and I'm around comedy, produce comedy, all that stuff all the time. But just to reiterate, mm-hmm. like, comedy is such a difficult thing. A lot of people don't even get decent until they're 10 years in. So the, okay. the fact that you're able to have a special under your belt that you're talking distribution about plus to get out there to edinburgh do all that like that's that's a fantastic career mark i mean that's good for you
1: well yeah i mean it it feels good and it feels good because because i just chose to do it all myself you know it wasn't like you know you can you a lot of people will sit around and say oh i didn't get this or these people aren't looking at me and it's like just well then make them pay attention make your own shit and make them pay attention or just have, have something to give your own audience because they support you and want to see stuff from you. So who cares if Netflix isn't finding you yet? You know, you have people that are looking for your stuff. Give it to them.
0: I, I, that's at every level, too. I, don't, I think a lot of people don't yeah. understand that, too, because I've been fortunate to work with some people that have done some cool things. And with the type of business that I'm a part of, like we see – like, I'm talking to A-list people, comics that everybody loves, all this stuff. It's interesting to me that if you, ha- if you don't have that attitude, that, okay, I have to just do it, not do it yourself. You just have to keep moving. You have to keep creating. You have to keep pushing forward. Because I'm mm-hmm. telling you, if you're listening to this and you're hearing Natasha's credentials and what she's trying to build for, there are people with 20, 30 years of stand-up experience with TV credits and all those other things that still, every day, are thinking of ways that they can get ahead, thinking of ways that they can move forward because it doesn't stop. Like I think people think when you're at a certain level or if you're technically a millionaire or like if you do these things that you kind of just coast and it's uh, handed to you. No, you're grinding. You're up against people younger than you, older than you, better than you. Whatever it is, it's crazy. So even the Netflix thing is super interesting to me too because now... The people that were sitting back on well, netflix blah 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 you could have been out there cutting up your clips and going to youtube and now everybody's doing that right like that's yeah it's an insane process that if you're not if you don't love what you're doing then you should it's the wrong business to be in
1: exactly yeah and and there's always you know there's always just new ways that i'm coming up with to like connect dots and make things happen you know with my Vegas show and all that i'm just always staying on these tracks and, you know, things that I tell friends all the time is just set these short-term kind of goals and keep setting new ones. So like with Edinburgh, now I know I have to finish my next hour by July and then I can polish it a little bit and then get out to Edinburgh for the month of August. You know, with my special, I landed from performing in Europe on my Europe tour on May Third or fourth of last year, mm-hmm. and announced on May 15th that I was going to be shooting a special. And within a month, I wrote a lot of the special. Are you serious? And hustled and polished it. Yes, I landed from Europe. I have um, a really great following and base in the island of St. Croix. So I immediately landed, booked a trip to St. Croix, sold out there, and did, did a that? test run. Yeah, or- yeah, don't
0: <laughs> um, over I, Croix. I know.
1: I love doing unconventional stuff just That's because I, I'm such a traveler and adventurer, and I just believe you can mix these things together. And so, one of my best friends moved to Saint Croix from Chicago. Like, she probably moved there like six years ago now, and she wanted me to come visit. And I was like, "Why don't I do a comedy tour?" And so it was the first comedy tour I ever produced. Was five years ago on Saint Croix and Saint Thomas. And I've just come back every year and you know, that slowly built because there's not any comics no. really in think or that come there. Yeah. So every time I come, it's like um, this last time I sold it out. The venue was so happy. They made like double what they make on a normal. I think I did it on a Thursday. Um, the ticket sales covered my entire trip, my flight, everything. Then, since I was sold out, another family um, asked if I would come perform at their private house party. So, I came and roasted their private house party and did another hour there. How and that? they And then they paid me, like, really well for that. So, I made, like, spookoo. Yeah. I made out, like, a bandit on this trip. And then I was like, all right, Tosh, you can you can take this shit anywhere. <laughs> so, but I did. I went to St. Croix um, and tested uh, all the stuff that I'd been writing and working out while I was in Europe. And then I got back and my friend Doug Fager, he's like a really great, really great roast writer here in LA and one of my best friends. And he helped me polish the stuff. Um, Cause you know, the day of I was like roasting my wedding a little bit, yeah. quite a bit. And um, <laughs> it's stuff you can't really test out. You know, you can't do that at a show and pretend like it's a wedding.
0: Right.
1: So um, a lot of the stuff that I did was just like, did it once they'll never do it again kind of thing yes,
0: yes. so it, heavy, it was
1: a big risk
0: but it paid off yeah
1: yeah yeah but i mean i announced it a month out and then got it all figured out and set up in a month and so whenever i say i'm going to do something i just am like all right you said it out loud now you had to do it and then it just puts a fire into my ass and i just figure it out i don't know how i'm going to pull off edinburgh but then come august 30th i'll be like holy fuck i just did that yeah. <laughs> so i'm gonna figure it out i don't know how yet but I, it'll be fine
0: <laughs> I th- yes that's the right attitude i think you're gonna come away with like 400 stories of the people and i'm sure you'll see a bunch of i'm sure you'll see a bunch of shows yourself so being immersed mm-hmm. in that festival is going to be huge for you i'm sure well that's amazing yeah so, and again you don't we don't have to talk anything crazy but um, for distribution, I always find this to be super interesting. So, are you looking to push this special to a Netflix? Like, is that the high mark? Are you? I mean, I know everybody's you know, kind of in the game. You, comedy Dynamics. You could do an audio thing. Like, what do you? Where are you? Yeah.
1: So, um, I'm open to talk about all this stuff because it has been fucking hard. When you create your own thing, it's it's great. You have a finished product, but because a Netflix didn't get behind it and produce it and they don't have like rights to it or whatever. The complications there are very strange. There's certain middlemen that you have to go through in order to get something sold to a Netflix or a Hulu or an Amazon. Um, and what does a sale really mean? Because unless you have a big name, it's not like they're going to be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollars for this. You know, it's just to know how the value of something is difficult. Um, we were trying to go to Amazon because uh, Amazon is, I, <laughs> I have a couple other series that I'm trying to pitch off of this special, yeah. and I could see them living in the Amazon world. Yeah, um, you're
0: an actor also. hmm I mean, yeah, so that's, that's huge. Yeah. To be able to have yeah. that, that flexibility within, if, if you're like within a brand, like they'd be like, oh, we did well with this. Ooh, we could do something over here too.
1: Yeah, and I, and, I, and I write and I produce as well. So, I mean, I have a lot to offer when it comes to stuff like that. But um, I'm also realistic. I've worked in the industry for a long time. And I know, I, you, know you can't just be like, I'm going to run my own show and somebody's just going to hand you one. So, I mean, you know, I know these things. So, um, yeah, I've partnered with really great people. My director is amazing. He's worked on all, like, the hit shows. You know, and even he's working on the second season of Dirty John right now. And he can't directly go to Hulu and be like, give me that you know it just doesn't work like that (laughs) i wish it was that easy we're like on the lot every day i'm like oh i could just walk over there why can't i just walk the buildings right (laughs) you know (laughs) hey guys uh (laughs) buy this shit um people like if
0: when you go home uh, maybe not your family um, maybe your family isn't unrealistic but friends people like that and i this is all levels once again I guarantee you when somebody goes home, they're like, well, why don't you call, you know, so why don't you call your friend? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, whatever. my mom? Yeah. 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 Well, you just – So Netflix them. doesn't
1: want to <laughs> – <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Well, and I'm also realistic in the sense that, like, this is my first special. Yeah. Um, I can't compete in a Netflix vein right now. You know, I just –
0: well the goal would be you hope maybe it sells more tickets on the road right like you you would think yeah i want
1: exposure i want people to i want the story to be done justice
0: right like that's that's another what a what a great point to an already super sensitive hard thing for comics to do you added mm -hmm. massive emotional ties like and and you did it yourself too so you're probably going to be maybe a little more particular about how it's yeah. put out
1: there. Well, and that's the thing is I know a lot of comics who have had success by putting their specials out for free on YouTube, but I know the YouTube audience. It's not a kind audience to women as it is, let alone would any of them be mature enough to understand the, the gravity of the situation that I was in. Um, so I want whoever it is that's on board with me to um, distribution to be on board with marketing it really smart um so that i have yeah i have some talks this week to try and sort that out um but right now the timing is perfect to get it out because it'd give me a couple of months of headway to um you know sell out the couple tours i have before edinburgh and get people excited about the festival to see you know what what else i have to say so um you know, there's a lot of checking your ego when it comes to these processes, and not that I have like an ego by any means, but no, <laughs> everybody does to an extent. But you just you. have to like, yeah, you just have to say, you know, how am I going to get a a mix of the proper payout for my the work that I put in and the money that I put in and the time, um, but also how are people going to see it? You know, if you hold out and hold out and hold out for a deal, people may never see it.
0: I I. We both know um, a friend of ours that has a great special that was professionally shot, um, and I don't know if he's still going to push it, but it's a few years old now, so I mean I don't know what he's going to do with it. And it's I mm-hmm. would do it whenever he taped it, and it's like it's 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 wild to think about that because I know how much it meant to that person. And look, at uh-huh. it, I look at it like this: this is the ultimate come around because I saw this his post the other day um maybe four years ago or three years ago or something i got to um i was on joe coy's podcast um the koi pond right? he's so great right and he's one of the
1: funniest motherfuckers
0: he's insane and now he's a crusher he is and but the problem is natasha you know this as good as anyone there's a lot of crushers and there's a lot i mean and i'm not and, and,
1: he, and there's a lot of content
0: yes there's mm-hmm. a lot out there think about this Mm -hmm. i think it was four or five years ago i know for a fact he talked about this on a different podcast he went and spent thirty thousand dollars and shot it himself he was like "Eh, i didn't really like what people are doing it it ended up on netflix right but he was a comic who didn't sell out everywhere and was super funny and filmed his own special believed in himself and guess who just did two sold out shows at the forum or stapled center excuse me uh what was it Last week or something, what is that? Thirty thousand people went and saw Joe Coy over over two shows like that. To me, that is, is the ultimate like the dream.
1: Star. No, that's the dream. It is. I mean, the, think about that. I mean, Sebastian meniscalco even talked about that, <laughs> uh, and he's a he's a crusher too. He remembered back in the day where he couldn't even sell like
0: he was ten tickets. He was like, 40 yes,
1: and he, was he was a waiter, waiter at the Four Seasons where I worked. That's where I worked when I first moved to LA. <laughs> And then people, interview. and he wasn't even he wasn't even famous yet, but people, I was coming into from just this little person in l a, you know, nine years ago, running around fetching shit for celebrities. And they people were like, "Oh, you're a comic. Um there's this guy named Sebastian that used to work here. I think he's doing well now. And this was way before he even became a household name. Yeah. So I mean, like this is how much time shit takes. It's time consuming. And you have to just be, smart about stuff but also just get shit out there i mean how cool is it though i mean sebastian just sold out madison square he can sell out madison square garden
0: he was in the forbes list of top paid oh
1: my god
0: i remember i mean i was like he's funny and he's great and he's talented but i was like i didn't know he was doing that like holy yeah yeah that's
1: yeah i mean and shit can change on a dime and that's what i always tell myself i'm like i'm like Tosh, you're going through a tough time in your life right now, but th- at some point you will look back on this as a chapter and you'll be like, holy fuck, look at how different things are now. And I, and I tell that to my friends. They have to remind me of that when I'm going through stuff. But in this business, you just have to just tunnel forward and just go and make things, put things out there, be positive to people, be good to your audience. My God. After every show that I have in a new city, I hang out with every person that comes. And sometimes people are like, why do you do that? Aren't you tired? I'm like, yeah, but they were nice enough to come from Instagram to my show. So how can I ever blow that off? Like, especially now. like You need those people.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you absolutely do. Do you feel like you get a lot of people that come to your shows from, like, Instagram? They're like, hey, saw you on there.
1: Um, a smidge. It's not a ton. Um, you know, probably the same percentage as it's engagement. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'd say for everybody that lives in a city that would like to come to a show of mine on Instagram, like two or three percent of those followers from that city actually show. So it's low, but I mean it's but there.
0: The
1: building, yeah. Um, um, but you know. And in, like, in D.C., for example, I just performed there. I had no idea how I would sell headlining in D.C. And I happened to join this gym for the five days that I was there and made friends with the whole gym. And, like, <laughs> they all came, you know. And, like, so I just end up yeah. building all these micro communities, like, all over the world where I go. And I make time for those people. And we hang out when I'm in town. And then they come to my shows. And then I go pay them to come be a part of their gym. It's, like, just. You got to just keep, it's communities, you know, you need, we all need a village all the time.
0: All the time. You know, and
1: whenever I I look at certain artists that like, you know, do blow off fans or something like that. And I'm like, how did people even do that? I don't know. But maybe that's the Midwest in me too. I'm like, I could never,
0: (laughs) I couldn't. It could Yeah. who you are, but I don't know. At the same time. Even if you're not a big fan of people or appreciating your fans, then look at it like a business decision because I'm sorry, they want that selfie, they want that handshake, you know, whatever. Maybe they want to buy your merch and they'll buy two shirts instead of one mm-hmm. if, if they get to shake your hand while they're at it. So I don't know. Or they it's just want to get that. to know
1: you, yeah, you know? I think a lot of people like watch, you know, I get messages daily all the time on my Instagram stories about just, you know, how, how I am, and that's just how I am in person. So I think sometimes people will come out and be curious, like, oh, is that how she really, yeah. <laughs> that's how I really am. We know. <laughs> that's all it... <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think, you know, there's curiosity on people's behalf. You know, are you nice? Are you inclusive? Are you appreciative? Um, I think if you're all those things, when you're on your come up, then it just only builds, it builds like this really great, Great following. It's not the word fan is weird, but like people that support, you know, supporters, I think is a way better word.
0: That's a good way to put it. And as far Mm -hmm. as other projects, I mean, like you said, you can do about five or six different things creatively. Um, Say say the special goes and that, you know, snowballs into some sort of a series. Are you wanting to do like a a comedic uh, episodic series? I mean, what do you... But yeah, I have. I mean, it's everybody's dream, right? But I
1: mean, yeah, so I have uh, three. So I, the way that I segmented my special, which doesn't really feel segmented, but you can tell because it's broken up with interviews with my mom, my grandma, and my uh, maid of honor. Wow. So I interviewed them after after shooting my special um, in the um, in the hall. You know, before going into the reception area. And, uh, so there's, there's, sorry, some people are like screaming outside of my patio. I don't know. I'm a very lively neighborhood, right? Um, I know I'm always, my grandma is my best friend. I'm always on the phone with her and she'll be like, what's that? What's that? I'm like, it's the sound of Los Angeles. (laughs) 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 Who's that? Who's that? What are you you talking to? And I'm like, that's just loud. people outside smoking. Everybody's smoking. (laughs) Um, but I have three kind of. Areas of my special that I really hit on, it's my relationship and engagement, um, my relationship with my family, particularly my grandma, and then uh, questioning questioning monogamy. And so I have three different series written about each of those topics.
0: Um, Do you feel like, uh, I mean, so the relationship ends... And I, I'm really not interested in particulars, so I'm not trying to. Whatever, but are you saying that like you guys just never had a chance? Uh, I and I'm I'm assuming a lot. Well, you just brought up monogamy. Maybe you're super pro monogamy. I don't know. I just assume if you're questioning it in a creative way, that yeah, you're not gonna. Maybe you don't feel that great about it right now.
1: I think you know, and this is something that I'm actually going to touch on a lot in my Edinburgh show. But I think a lot of times people in long-term relationships, end up questioning monogamy because either their um, attraction towards each other has started to fizzle or they're not with maybe the right person. Even if being um, monogamous is for them, I think the questions start to hit. And that's like where people experience the seven-year itch and all that stuff. I don't think it's like necessarily the drive to go and fuck new people. I think it's more of that drive, that feeling of... of um, like ourselves even change every seven years. So it's like you're almost an entirely new human being mm-hmm. and you're figuring out what to do with that. And so it's, to me, um, I think it's something a lot of people question, even if it's not something they act on or really actually want. But it's it's kind of a hum- human nature to question monogamy. And I think that that's okay.
0: No, I absolutely is. And that'll be... I, I hope it's everything you want it to be, exploring that an hour for thirty a night for thirty nights straight. Uh mm-hmm. could you do you think with what you want to do with your career, would you ever want to be married? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Um I have always I've never been the type of girl that like envisioned my wedding and felt like I had to be married. Sure. But I would love to be with somebody who wants to be a part of the traveling and creating with me that I've always loved. Those two things really make up a lot of my spirit, adventure connection, traveling, creating. They all kind of are one big ball for me. Um, and, you know, if you have a partner that accentuates those things and also is interested in those things, um, that idea really excites me more so than the ring on my finger and the paperwork. Like I just really would love to have, have the teammate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I do too, because and I'm curious. Just being in stand up, and then I'm sure everything's incestuous in L.A. Um, I, <laughs> and then what you said too? Would you would you marry another comic?
1: I never put nos and yeses on things. As yeah. you know, I coming out of such a long term relationship, you know what I'm focusing right now, right now on is me and loving being by myself. I've always been really good at being by myself and traveling by myself. And I never feel lonely in those regards because I'm so social and make friends places. Um, but I'm really making or trying to get to a place where I make peace with not feeling like I need a home base. Like I, everyone needs a home base, but, um, for somebody who's not very codependent, you still have a level of that after being with somebody for a long time. And so there's a lot of growth that happens with change. And, you know, um, part of that is me just not putting too much pressure on myself for like, who I should or should not end up with in the future. I mean, if it was the right comic, then great. if it's not a comic then great. Um, I definitely won't end up marrying a banker or something. like that's say, not.
0: there are certain <laughs> things where I'm like, and I mean, you could who am I thinking of uh, you could you could draw exceptions anywhere, but like I don't know, man. I think once you kind of talk to a, another person that's creative or funny or something like that, like mm-hmm. you need someone that's at worst like you know open to creativity because there's just different brains, yeah, things, honestly.
1: Exactly. And i like, I, you know, there's certain marriages that I've seen of my friends that are just blow me out of the water that I'm just like, okay, there's definitely, you can have a blast with somebody and like fuck with your kids and like, just, you know, have like a really fun, functional family dynamic. And um, I envision that for myself and whoever that might be. Great. Not in a rush. I do not want to find them tomorrow. I'm please not desperate. I have plenty of options. <laughs> yeah, <you're> like, <laughs> I, yeah. like,
0: you I don't need... mean yeah, <laughs> like, oh.
1: yeah, yeah. The the cesspool of dicks flying at your face, I'm sure, is just nothing to scoff at. You know, once you're <laughs> but <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: but I'm just at this point, you know, not even interested in that. But um, you know, I could see. I, I love creative people. Sure. So, I mean, I could see somebody that was, you know, entertainment adjacent, you know, or entertainment just not in stand-up. But I see some stand-ups have really amazing marriages and relationships with each other. I'm not blowing that off, you know.
0: Well, I think that's a smart play. You've got a lot uh, building up, it seems like. It's really awesome <laughs> to hear how that's coming out. Like uh, Seriously, like, it's it's nice to see people with positivity and then... Just really strong outlooks for their own future. So I just wanted to tell you that, like, that is that is. I didn't ex Now that you don't expect to hear great things from people that are doing fun stuff already, but I just wanted to give you uh, a big show of support. Like that's uh, you've got some great things going, and you have the right attitude. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, you, the, 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 I appreciate yeah, that. Right. Yeah, of course. Now, before you go to Edinburgh, you've got a, a ways to go you're going to be touring around mm-hmm. the country more give me some before you get out of here what's the what's the story with vegas you have a you have a regular stop there right
1: yeah so i i set that up last year in july so i landed from shooting my special and then went directly to vegas to try and work on this deal um i wanted to grow the future role model brand and i have so many people that are constantly passing through vegas like Every week I was getting messages from different people all over the world that are like, I'm gonna be in Vegas this week. Would you come meet me there? Would you come meet me there? And I was like, Oh, I bet I have a market here. Um, I didn't know how big a one, but I just I'm really honest with venues. I'm not like somebody who blows smoke up my own ass. I'm not like, Yeah, I'm gonna come in and just like <laughs> thousands of people are going to come. I <laughs> right. I found an intimate um, venue that is really comfortable if there are 30, 40 people in it, but feels really packed if there are 80 or more. Um, yeah. And and I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself. I wanted it to be like, you know, I something manageable. Mm-hmm. And so me and the ho- this hotel GM, I mean, it's, it's a boutique hotel off the strip and, the jam and I are buddies. I mean, he's so fucking cool and easy to work with. We're just like two peas in a pod. I don't know how. I emailed him blindly out of nowhere. And I just was like, hey, I'm Natasha Prohanson. You don't know me, but I have this podcast. And I'm trying to grow a brand in Vegas. And, you know, I it was the only hotel I emailed. Um, and he happened to have been a, a manager back in the day at American Comedy Company in San Diego. Yeah. So he knew, knows a bunch of comics had heard of my name and, um, was really cool about it and worked with me. And, um, so I flew out every week for the last three months of last year. It was exhausting, but if I hadn't done that, we wouldn't have built what we did. And then we put it on hiatus from December 16th until February. And now we're just going to do it the last Monday of every month. And so February 23rd, um, or 24th, we had our first one, um, Didn't have to put any marketing money into it this time. Uh, People had just been waiting for it to come back. And now that it's once a month, it was, it was an awesome show. It was a full house. um, And so I'm so proud of it. I mean, it was exhausting to build. um, But now we have this really cool room once a month and some new sponsors came on. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a, a place for people to come and be open about their shit. And I usually record an episode of the podcast before the show. So
0: that's a great, subject. yeah. Yeah. You got to do something mm-hmm. like that to grow your brand and gosh, just get people to care about you. It's to uh, put a bunch yeah. of in on it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really positive to hear too. So real quick, <laughs> why is, why is Madison such a great comedy city? Everybody loves, like, I'm talking like, I mean, probably like whoever your top 10% of comics are, down to just um, headliners just getting started. Obsessed with Madison.
1: Madison. It is a small, big city. Is, There's is so much happening in a really tight radius. Um, people are nice. People are pretty attractive, not that that's the number one thing, but I mean, it's like
0: College Town, like, you've got to keep up. It doesn't
1: hurt, you know, if you're visiting a city and you don't expect everyone, you're like, oh, Wisconsin, and then you walk in and you're like, hey, Wisconsin, like,
0: what? I lived What? In- Where'd you guys come from? Yeah. The university, <laughs> university of Missouri is in the middle of Missouri, and there's mm-hmm. 30,000, 20,000 attractive people in a two-mile radius. Like, that, that, mm-hmm. sets, a, that sets a tone for a College Town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. Yeah, there's
1: um, there's really good food, there's really good art. It's like a good artistic community. Um, the comedy club on state is always packed. Madison is a liberal town, yet it's still Midwest, so it's like open-minded, young. Um, you know, it's just a really good mix of all the things. I mean, i I've never had I've never had a, a show that I didn't have a blast at in Madison, not at comedy on state. Or um, just a Christmas Nate Craig. Do you know Nate Craig? I don't. He's a very talented comic. And he also is from Madison. And him and I didn't meet in Madison. We met here. Yeah. But obviously, we bonded really quick because of that. Cool. So he um, he has a really big following in Madison as well. And he did um, the Majestic Theater in Madison It sold that out. Sold the fuck out of it.
0: Holy I mean, and Nate yeah. Craig, and, Nate Craig's like one of those, like, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like, wait, do I know it? How crazy is that? You'll be like, oh, who's that? And then you're like, oh, they've been in, they were on Last Comic Standing, and they sell yeah. it, and they're super funny.
1: No, I mean, he did. He, had, he did a Nate Craig and Friends over Christmas. You know, four other comics came and did the show. I was one of them. It was so fun. That's and, I mean, just Midwest people are just, like, down to clown, man. They don't yeah. judge you. They They'll drink. That they will. They, it's just, it's great. I mean, it's everything. They get it, you know. They get, they get the bullshit, and they, you know, it's just, it's just cool. I love it. Um, so, just a lot of support in that city. I think for what we do, which is everybody's dream when they go to a new city.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> Just so I don't keep you here, because I'm really enjoying the conversation. But I will. Uh, I will honestly, follow. I'm good.
1: I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I got shit okay. to do, but I'm gonna be home all night, so I got time.
0: <laughs> okay. So as far as far as the L.A. scene goes, like where are you working in L.A.? Has that changed over the last I don't know ten years that you've been there? Obviously, it has. I'm sure. Oh, you're Driving. Yeah. Your first open mics and showcases. <laughs> together, but do you have a club that you typically work at, or a, a venue, or?
1: Comedy store is probably where I'm at the most. Um, it's weird because I, I'm a regular at the laugh factory in Chicago. Um, but I'm I used to be booked at the Laugh Factory here in Hollywood all the time. Excuse that rude, rude ambulance.
0: Um, Dude, wait, real quick. The laugh Yeah. To hell with them for saving that life. The poor yeah. <laughs> booker, the, the poor booker at Laugh Factory in Chicago right now, I bet that guy gets not nu- every booker does. But I feel like that guy probably gets 9 jillion emails like an hour What is that guy's name? I can't think of his name Curtis? Yes Yeah, <laughs> uh, he just there's... said
1: that to me yesterday Because I'm performing <laughs> there next week No, I'm literally <laughs> I,
0: I was, was texting, texting with him with four friends. I'm like, I bet this guy Gets 9 jillion emails an hour
1: He literally texted me, I can show you I mean, he just said this to me yesterday And <laughs> he goes, can weird. you not? Um, because I'm headlining in Chicago on March 5th. And then I asked him if I could do a run at Laugh Factory, um, the next like five nights. And so he gave me, came back with me with all these dates. So I'm going to be at Laugh Factory for like pretty much a week. We do have some and then, in
0: Chicago that listen. So you guys go support, uh, <laughs> Natasha. Yeah.
1: And then, uh, yeah, he gave me my dates and I go, yay, thank you. And he's like, this weekend and this week have been a fucking whirlwind and i was like everything okay and he goes yeah just overwhelmed with all this stuff. he just lists all the things that are people are messaging him and i said i can't even imagine and i said i'm sorry to be a part of that mess and he goes no you're a refreshing breath of air <laughs> and i was
0: like uh uh-huh. <laughs> i don't even know but him i know him you know what i mean where i'm like oh yeah no yeah, and he's
1: know. he's so sweet but like I have such a like a bond with Curtis like we've I've been at JFL with him when his dad was sick you know we were talking pretty regularly and you know so I mean he's somebody that I actually consider like a a A friend friend too I don't just hit him up for spots (laughs) so but I mean yeah I can't even imagine what these you know that's it's a lot of shit but the um the gatekeepers, speaking back to Hollywood, yes. the gatekeepers, as they are, um, change out here so often. Right. So you get in with one, then they leave, and then, like, the problem here is there's a lot of people that didn't end up getting where they wanted to in comedy that will become a gatekeeper.
0: Interesting.
1: And then and then that sucks, because they have certain people that they want to, like, hitch a ride with or something, and they book those people. Um so I, I, it ebbs and flows, man, because I was in with the comedy store for like three years. I had my own show there for three years, and then that one kind of was ebbing out, and Laugh Factory and um, the Improv were ebbing in, so I had a show at the Improv for a year and a half. It was booked at Laugh Factory all the time, and then that gatekeeper changed to somebody else who probably people would know who I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> at, at, at Laugh Factory or, or Improv? At Laugh
1: Factory, and so... Um, So then I stopped getting booked there. I was booked maybe like once every like six months, which was brutal because it used to be like, you know, not that. And
0: then I I started using back into I feel like Eliza Schlesinger had a pretty public – um meltdown or 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 not i shouldn't i don't mean to say meltdown and i don't know her personally but i Upset feel that like or something yeah like there was <laughs> there was something with the laugh factory and her that didn't go so well i feel like and maybe i'm wrong
1: yeah i'm not one to spread fire like i yeah. you know i don't say names if i'm talking about something i don't say names or bash anybody um yeah. you know but uh now so then i started easing back into comedy stores i've been I have a new show there that's been there for coming up on a year and a half. Um, so you don't, you know, you kind of have these home three three home clubs, but you right. you you change out kind of which ones you're at more um, until one just like latches onto you and puts you up every single night, you know. But um, until then, you know, I keep touring and booking all the work i can other places and then when i have shows in la i stay in la <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean,
0: and, there's, <laughs> and there's always going to be that that up and down of everything and it's it's it mm-hmm. has to be defeating but also super satisfying whenever the stuff hits at times so
1: yeah so, i mean
0: it's, say you've had regular shows at the comedy store what would what would yourself have thought about that when you first moved to la right and you're right no and now. i yeah
1: Yep. And I try to keep that in perspective. I mean, I, um, I, instead of just wallowing and being like, oh, so and so won't book me and not having shows, I just, I always am making my own shit happen. I never feel like I don't have enough stage time. I, I always try to hit certain amount of hours a month. And I always exceed it. Um, but yeah, I just try to make sure I'm hitting, you know, a minimum of stage time, however I'm getting it. If I'm getting long sets and i'm getting to do an hour on the road somewhere then great you know then i'm always exceeding it then but
0: do you do you find yourself do you do i guess participate is that the right word are you still a player in the improv world i mean if you were at second city do you still i mean is improv a big part of your life so
1: yeah i started at uh second city with sketch and improv um improv per se isn't like i'm not I'm not like practicing anymore with a team or anything. I haven't for a really long time, but the improv never leaves you. I mean, I'm using it in auditions constantly. Um, I use it on stage all the time, like crowd, you know, improv just gives you a tool to be really comfortable in any situation. I'm, I'm really good at interviewing people for that because I listen. I think that's a big thing. You're a good interviewer for that reason too. Do you know how many people have podcasts and they don't fucking listen? to who they're having on
0: because they're
1: it blows my goddamn mind
0: they want to jerk off into the mirror Uh, natasha That's all. i I know yes
1: i'm like i'm like did you want to have a guest or did you just need to not talk to yourself so you don't look like
0: (laughs) (laughs) well no but stuff like i respect improv folks so much like we have a really great um school here um i've followed matt besser since i could ever remember like even mm-hmm. rec- but then recently just i mean outside of just like local stuff and being happy for friends um a guy who was super nice to us a few years ago um who had a tv show on a kids network just recently st- like on the national scene do you know tony cavallero from the groundlings he's on a new show mm-hmm. on hbo with uh, it's called the righteous gemstones with danny mcbride right <laughs> Yeah. And
1: oh, he, that looks so funny. I haven't watched it, it yet.
0: Well, it's fantastic. But I guess my point of that is, is A, I'm just super happy for Tony. He's the nicest guy ever. Um, but he was like, he had a part in the um, in the Motley Crue Netflix movie. He played like, uh, for five minutes, he was Ozzy Osbourne. My whole point of it is this guy has all these chops and has been a groundling for, you know, 15 years or whatever. And then he bursts onto the scene and then now you got people like, who is this guy? Like he came out of nowhere, but it's just such a, a tribute to, uh, he's probably doing improv shows to seven people sometimes still like that's, yeah. And, and again, and I don't mean, I'm not cutting the groundlings down. You know what I mean when I say that, but it's, it's something that, uh, you're exactly right. It never leaves, but then the reps that you get in and the quality that you can develop through that hard work like it's just it's super impressive to me so whenever you said that and then whenever you want to get into the acting things i'm like wow you're really you've got a you've got a toolkit
1: yeah i mean and it's you know it was such a great place to begin training um at second city because i was 20 when i started training there um i was driving down every weekend from wisconsin doing my my um, class and then driving back up and I was working at an Applebee's as a server. And then as soon as I turned 21, I became a bartender at that Applebee's and I started um, going down to Chicago for two nights um, and staying overnight, like with one of the friends from improv class, getting to know the city a bit. And after three months of that, I eventually just moved there and didn't know anyone except for my improv class. Um, And, I I was I would say that I was really pretty good at improv from the start. Like I was, I caught on to it really quick with just the way my personality is and um, my writing of sketch was pretty, pretty good from the start. Um, but one of my first directors was like, <laughs> it's so funny, all the things you hear over the years and you just kind of clock certain things. He was like, you're going to make it. You're re- you're good. You're going to make it, but it's going to take fifteen years. <laughs> he was like, "So you better really want this."
0: And then he asked me out.
1: And I, it, no, <laughs> no, but I mean, and and that really stuck with me That's because incredible. I have had a lot of little like, successes throughout. You know, and I consider, I. <laughs> I find little successes all the time. Like the other day, I was at the farmer's market and found fucking cotton candy grapes and I almost shit my pants. Like <laughs> the littlest things in life bring me so much joy. So and I think it's something I've really trained myself to do because if you don't do that, this town will eat your asshole every day. <laughs> like just,
0: You're a survivor. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to give yourself those little things. And so. I've had a lot of small successes and and decent sized ones over the years, but I never looked at one thing like it was going to turn my career or make or break me. Um, good or bad. I never looked at one bad show as if it was going to ruin me. I never looked at one negative remark or something, but I also never looked at one positive thing as if it was going to be the one thing that, you know, because if you put so much weight on stuff, it, it doesn't, it doesn't propel you forward, you know? Um, So, I mean, I'm hitting my year 15 of being in comedy this year.
0: I was. So. I, I thought we like I you know I don't know how you talk about whatever. I was like I think we would have like went to high school together. And I'm 35. So I was like. I'm 35. Yeah, yeah I'm 35. When you, when you said that. I man, don't care about talking about age. Yeah, I don't know who does and do doesn't. So I just whatever.
1: It's <laughs> such a dumb thing. It's like come on. It's, that's feel, your age. It's your age. Who cares?
0: <laughs> have you ever had? What am I going to pretend years? that I haven't
1: lived for these extra eight years?
0: And Facebook's a thing now. Like you can't lie within like. Year. google
1: i mean i google me my age comes right up i mean i've i've never lied about my age i don't give a shit.
0: have you ever how have you ever had anybody like blatantly like lie about your age like that happened to me like it was years ago but i've definitely had people and immediately i do i feel like i make a face or I'm like, uh, I don't think we were into Blink 182 at the same time, or you know what I mean? Like, there are there are benchmarks, and I'm like, you know, um, I don't know if we were watching Nickelodeon at the same time. You look like maybe yeah, before that. well,
1: yeah. I mean, for sure, I've had people age me up, age me down. I mean, I remember even when I bartended and I was like 19 in Minneapolis, um, some guy tried to hit on me and was like. Oh, you're only eighteen. I would have thought you were at least thirty. And I was like, What? <laughs> you know? But then now I have people I, I meet girls that are like twenty-four and I just I look younger than a lot of these girls because people look pretty haggard nowadays. They just <laughs> overdo it. Like I'm not even like I never really wear makeup. I wear sunscreen. Like I I don't do a lot of shit to myself. I'd have never put a needle in my face. So like I look normal. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes people will come up to me and they'll be like, you're how old? And I'm like, I have oily skin. My mom is black. I haven't fucked with my face. And that's why I don't look like what you think 35 looks like. So,
0: <laughs> but, so your mom was black. Okay. So yeah. is, is that what you I was like, you just, did you just drop that in there? Interesting. <laughs> so in regards to, gosh, um. That's just an interesting dynamic. Obviously, you grew up in the Midwest. You have a certain mindset. I mean, do you identify with Black culture? I mean, what's it? That's that's really interesting to me. That uh, because, it, like you, I'm sure you're viewed as somebody who's white. Like that has to be. Yeah. Like a, a, I get called an, a
1: white bitch all the time. I used to joke about that. That I was, my race is tan white bitch because I'm. <laughs> People are always asking me about my tan, but this is my, this is just the color I've been since I was, like, I'm not tan. This is just my color. Um, My mom is, my mom is kind of, she kind of looks more like um, Latin, Latin Island. Mm -hmm. Um, My grandpa's black as fuck, so, I mean, you can't question if he is or not. Um, But my mom, people look at, and they're like, what is she? You know, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, But my it's interesting because i grew up my dad is from wisconsin in the town that i grew up in um it's like a a farm town with like a, a nice like a really great school really great it was an awesome upbringing i'm so glad they brought me up when i did i am best friends with everybody that i grew up with still i love everybody like we talk all the time um And then my mom grew up in inner city Chicago. So I think there was many reasons why they didn't choose to bring me up in her neck of the woods, just because, you know, she had been through a lot, her and her brother being mixed. Um, My grandma's Sicilian and my grandpa is black. And so um, they got, you know, picked on by just the story that you hear and the normal for a lot of people, like their normal was really, really rough. And, um, so I think it just put a bad taste in her mouth as far as bringing me up in that. Um, but the great thing was my black side of the family, they're like they're all in Chicago. My white side of the family is all in Wisconsin. It's like out two hours from each other, not yes. very far. Um, so I spent a lot of time with my cousins on both sides of the family. Um, really, I really identify hard with both for very different reasons. Like of course. I, I, my work ethic and where I grew up, I mean, I started farming when I was nine Um, I worked on farms, drove tractors, paid my way through my first European, I was like a student ambassador in Europe when I was 14. I got up and fed veal calves in the morning at like 4am to pay to do that. So like my, my understanding of earning my own way is fully because of that, you know?
0: Yeah, Yeah, of course. I grew up. Yeah. I always laugh about that now. I always, uh, I laugh about it with my parents, but we had horses, and I grew up in, like, I've lived in the city of St. Louis for a while, but as a kid, mm-hmm. literally grew up on a farm. I remember I got thrown, I'd been thrown off horses, like, giant, like full-grown quarter horses twice before I was, like, seven. Yeah. And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm talking, like, laying on my head, like, Chris might be a different person now. Like, but I think about Some this of now. this shit is crazy. <laughs> and I'm, like, crazy. Quite... you guys have gotten arrested? Yeah. I'm, like, is the that a
1: Farmers, way? like, you know, it's interesting, the two sides of the... Of the pendulum here but like you know my <laughs> my grandpa on my dad's side he um okay how do i put this old white farmers have a lot of bigotry sure i don't want to necessarily say racism because that's not necessarily the case our town didn't really have a lot of culture so there's really not anything to be like racism i ag- racist against mm-hmm. in a town like that but but, you know, it's just like an old white farmer mentality because, but their struggles were different. Like, their struggles, like, farming is fucking brutal. And if you have a bad year, you have a bad year. My grandpa lost his leg before I was born in a corn chopper. Um, full on, like, got caught. I think it was a suspender that got caught in a corn chopper. Drug his whole body in, and my uncle, like, pulled the lever in time to shut it off before it, like, got the rest of him just fucking ground his leg up, like, the stories that you hear from these people, you know, and on the opposite end, my black side of the family, like, living in south side of Chicago, like, their struggles were, like, the ghetto, and police brutality, and, like, I mean, you can't even compare the two, I'm, I'm happy that I'm a person that lives in the center, and understands the two sides, um, of where people come from, it always makes me have, like, this really, grounded perspective when I'm listening to anybody's background because you know, you, you can't understand one or you just have to understand that somebody's background is different than yours. And the reason they think that the way that they do is different than the way you think. Um, So it was just, it was, it was a cool thing to, you know, how many people I knew that lost fingers and shit, you know, got thrown off of tractors and like they had, they had these hilarious personalities about it. Like my, one of the guys on my farm, on the farm, um, his wedding ring got caught hmm. on a tractor. He was jumping off of it, pulled his whole finger off, and so why,
0: he played. Why do we I would play three tricks. People that that happened to also. I know, and yeah. so he
1: would play tricks on people, or um, he would joke. You know, when we would be out, you know, having beers in the yard after, you know, our shoshing style after the day is done, beers <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, and he'd say, yeah, I guess I wasn't supposed to be married, you know, pulled my ring finger right out. You know, just people just have like this sense of humor about shit that you have to have if you grow up in these environments. Otherwise, you know, you just would be a, a sad one one legged nine fingered farmer, <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: it, it, it certainly does provide perspective because like i have a look that i don't realize that i give people whenever they're like "Ooh, how could this happen or so-and-so's dog attacked whatever i'm like that's what they do like that's <laughs> yeah you've never been a part of that if you've never had so, like a coyote get a hold of one of your animals or do so or whatever i there's just different mm-hmm. it, it is it is a funny perspective to to have that rural upbringing but it sounds like you just have uh, again too like i i think that probably helps you a ton as a performer to have that empathy in the perspective of two literal different worlds being so close to you.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of great performers have that, you know, different backgrounds, different, um, you know, whether they're first generation or second generation or whatever it may be. Um, but I, you know, you have to appreciate your own. Like I appreciate having these two sides of my family to have given me some good perspective So I didn't have to experience a lot of these like shitty things myself, Um, but I at least know that they exist. So I'm not like life is great and perfect all the time. You know, keeps that naivety at bay, um, but still keeping some innocence there.
0: I don't know if we can do any better. This, I honestly, (laughs) we'll have to do this again. Uh, What a what a great conversation, Natasha. Where people can honestly, how, how does the when does the podcast come out? And then obviously. Again, we we do have some friends in Chicago that are listening to this, so go out. And then, if you run into our friend Sarah Perry, she's a regular at the at the. Yeah. She's great. She's from St. Yeah. She's very talented. Yeah. Very, yeah, for especially for her age, jeez. Uh, yeah. No,
1: I've heard. I've heard she's incredible. I, I haven't hung out with her personally, but have all of my friends in Chicago love her. Um, and I know she's funny because I've seen her clips on um, the Laugh Factory's pages and stuff. So, Shout And I'm such a here. supporter of other women. I love, tell her to come hang out at my show and then you know we can go for beers afterwards because that's what I like to do. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I love, I'm having two women um, on my show that I'm headlining in Chicago that I haven't even met, but I just found their clips on the Laugh Factory page and was like, fuck yeah, these women are fucking awesome. So I'm always loving to collaborate and stuff. Um, yeah.
0: But the this po- has been yeah. awesome. It really is. Like, yeah, don't let's not do the, oh, let's do it. No, come back anytime. And <laughs> I'm sure uh, the next time I'm in LA, maybe we can find something to do, uh, maybe a live podcast or something. So who knows? That would, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well,
1: um, but yeah, when does this episode drop?
0: Uh, I'm thinking we'll probably put it out either Tuesday or Thursday. What, okay. When are you going to be in Chicago?
1: My Hello night is Thursday.
0: Thursday, I'll just, I'll put you on Tuesday then. Sweet. But, that works out. <laughs> yeah, maybe you get a couple people come out. That'd be fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. My
0: cool. Chicago,
1: it's interesting because Chicago, um, I have a friend coming out to my show in Chicago that lives in LA, one that's coming out from Vegas and one that's coming out from Detroit. I have people like even my last show in um, in Vegas of last year, One of my friends from St. Croix flew to Vegas to come to that. (laughs) I'm like, all these people. I'm like, oh, thank God for all these people. It's like so fun. So Chicago is going to be a fun night because it'll be like a nice hodgepodge of my Chicago friends and like a bunch of other people.
0: I I know some folks in Vegas, too, that'll hear this and they go out when they can. So I'll try and uh, who knows, maybe you'll get a couple people to come out from doing this little podcast. Yeah. Thank you again. Everything means everything. (laughs) Uh, So true. Thank Uh, you so much absolutely come back anytime natasha i appreciate you coming on
1: yeah thank you have a good weekend
0: you too